Hi guys, uh, Pastor Greg Corcoran here from Battlefield Baptist Church. Uh, pray that this sermon is a blessing, an encouragement, and a challenge to you in your walk with the Lord. Additionally, I just wanted to say that if we here at Battlefield can ever be a blessing to you, please don't hesitate to contact us. And the best way to do that is through our website at battlefieldbaptist.org. Again, I pray this sermon blesses you, encourages you, and uh, that you'll fall more in love with God, more in love with His Word, and more in love with people. If you have your Bible, turn with me this morning to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. Can you hear me this morning? I can't hear myself. Can you hear me? All right, good. That's, I want to make sure, Herb, I want to double check with everybody. <laughs> Romans chapter 1. And uh, I'm going to get right into it. There's certainly a number of things and a number of people that I will ask you, Lord willing, at the end of service to be in prayer for this week. A lot of things going on, a lot of surgeries, but I want us to get right into our message this morning. Romans chapter 1 in the precious Word of God. Once you're there, draw your attention with me, if you will, down to verse number 18. Verse number 18. And I want to begin reading here for just a short bit, and then we'll... Get started with our message. Verse number 18, the Bible says, For the wrath of God, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that, when they knew God, watch it, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and to four-footed beasts and creeping things. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your love. We thank you for the adoption that we have in Christ. We thank you. As we sang that song, as we're learning this new song, we thank you that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And God, certainly we are desperately in need of your wisdom and your strength in the day and age in which we live. And so God, I pray that each of us will turn our eyes to you today. That we'll turn away from thinking about what comes next after this worship service, but in this moment of time, we will, we will clear the mechanism, so to speak, that we will uh, open up our eyes. We will open up our hearts as the Spirit leads God to allow you to have your will and your way today through the teaching and preaching of your word. God, I pray that you will be honored and glorified. And certainly, Lord, I pray as always that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be acceptable in your sight because you are my strength and you are my redeemer. Lord, we love you, we thank you, and we look forward to what you will do during this time as we worship you through your word, and we give you the praise in advance, for it's in the precious name of Jesus that we do pray, and for his sake, amen and amen. Well, again, thank you so much for being here this morning. 
If you remember, it was about a month ago during our message series on stewardship, we were talking about this idea, this, this theme of being uh, of God entrusting us with the, uh, these various substances or with the entirety of our estate. And I was talking to you about a month ago about the idea of honoring the Lord when it comes to the management of this thing that we hold in our hands, whether you have it on your mobile device or whether you've carried your Bible here this morning, or maybe you've used a Bible from the seat back pocket, I was talking to you about a month ago about our management, our stewardship, if you please, of God's Word. And during that time, if you remember, we talked about not only possessing God's truth, but, but protecting it and persisting in it, but we also talked about proclaiming the truth of God, and all of those things are true. But if you fast forward to last week's message, and if you were here last week, we were in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we were actually presented with the facts that actually drove the Apostle Paul in everything he did. It, that actually drove Paul as he was telling that church that they were now ambassadors for Christ. We looked at the passage of Scripture and we saw clearly, it was evidence that Paul was an individual who was driven by love. And he was telling the people in Corinth, listen, uh, you need to be driven by love as well. But I can tell you, that it wasn't just love that was leading and driving the Apostle Paul. It was the truth of who Christ was. You remember, he said it was the truth of Christ that had convinced him that he ought to be driven by love. And so we looked at that last week. And I can assure you that the same truth that motivated Paul, you remember he said it was the love of Christ that held him in, that compressed him, that caused him to want to be what Christ really wanted him to be, and I can assure you that that same truth will make a difference in my life. It will make a difference in your life. So the question for today is not are you driven by love, but maybe it's on the screen already and it's already been spoiled, but are you driven by truth? You see, are we a people that are driven by truth or is there something else? And I fear in many ways it's the something else that, something else that gets us most of the time. Are we driven by truth? Or are we driven by something else? Obviously, I, wanna, I don't want to disparage the text that we're in. And certainly, Paul is giving us a dark picture of the paganism that existed during his time. And I realize that today I'm speaking to, I, I hope and pray, mainly believers. But I'm also aware that you may be here. And even as Brother Joe was teaching in Sunday school, maybe you're here. And maybe you've heard a lot about Christ. And maybe intellectually you think you know Christ. But in your heart of hearts, you know that you're not a believer yet. Maybe you're here. Maybe you're watching online. And so it doesn't matter whether you're here and you're already in Christ or maybe you're here and uh, the Lord has brought you to this point and you haven't come to faith in Christ yet, but you are searching uh, as best you can. And certainly we know that it is Christ who chooses us. And so uh, we take that with a grain of salt. But either way, I believe that the principles here in Romans chapter 1 still serve today. As a, as, and I, I know this is going to sound weird, but a wonderful warning. That's kind of weird, right? It's like I've never heard the, the words wonderful and warning together, but I believe that this passage offers us a, a, a significant principle that will serve as a wonderful warning, but it will also serve for us as believers as a reminder of what we have in Christ Jesus. So let's take a look. We're going to jump right in. Look at verse number 18. 
Because our passage again says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold, watch that word, hold on to it, hold the truth in unrighteousness. Pardon the pun there. Watch that word hold, hold on to it. Who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Now, some of you may not be reading from the King James uh, version of Scripture. The, the uh, CSB translates it this way. It says this. It says, For God's wrath is revealed from heaven against all godlessness and unrighteousness of people who by their unrighteousness suppress, watch this word because it's going to be pretty important, who suppress the truth. I would dare say today we're living in a world where truth is held down. We're living in a, we're living in a day and age where truth is suppressed in unrighteousness all the time. And for the most part, can I really be honest this morning? For the most part, I think we know what's true. You know, I knew what was true when I was a little boy. I knew when my dad said no, that meant no. When my dad said yes, that was like proceed with caution, right? It wasn't just a, a blank, it wasn't just a blank yes. It was like, okay, okay, so, okay, maybe there's an opportunity here. Listen, I think we know what is true for the most part. By the way, how do we know what's true? Because the creation of this universe tells us what's true. God has revealed himself to us. Oh, as I'll say here in a minute, and it'll be like a broken record, the heavens declare his glory, amen? And so we know what is true, but just like Paul forecasted, you know, we break up letters into chapters. Just like Paul forecasted in the third chapter of his second letter to young Timothy, we're living in a time when many have become lovers of their own selves. We're living in a time, let's be honest, where we have become lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Am I right? I mean, let's just, let's lay it out there where it's at. See, because I'm asking the question, last week it was all about are we driven by love? But my friend, you cannot be driven by love unless you are driven by truth. And you cannot be driven by truth and not be driven by love. It's kind of an oxymoron that goes on here, but it's the reality of Scripture. And if you go on as a result of loving self and loving pleasure more than we love God, as a result, in, Timothy, in that same letter, Timothy writes, as we broke it up into chapter 4 and verse number 4, he says that people, and that includes us, people are heaping unto themselves teachers having itching ears. That's 2 Timothy 4 and verse number 3. And he says this. He says, why? Because people are not interested in truth. Why? Because they turn their ears away from truth. That's where we're living. We're living in a day and age, listen, where people are turning away from truth and the desire, I'll be honest with you, I think the desire is this idea of, I'll turn my ear away from what the pastor is saying or what the Bible teacher is saying or what God happens to be saying to me because when I do that, I have kind of this almost fake personal independence, right? If I, if I ignore it, if I, I, I know it's true, but if I suppress it, if I put it out of my mind, if I put it, put it behind me and say, God, I'll deal with that truth tomorrow, then what I'm actually doing is I'm convincing myself, I mean, the devil has us duped, doesn't he? I'm convincing myself that I'm somehow independent from the truth of God, but I can tell you we are not independent from God's truth. Oh, listen, but it's fueling these things. Look with me again in verse number 18. 
The Bible says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth and unrighteousness. Now, I've already referenced the word hold and the word suppress, but I want to make sure we understand what they mean. The word hold literally, literally here in this passage means to hold down, to keep, or suppress. But Merriam-Webster, I mean, everybody trusts Merriam-Webster, which is crazy. Let me just stop here. That's not even in my message. How is it that we'll trust Merriam-Webster for our definitions of words, but we won't trust God? How is it that we'll trust what some guy or what some lady has to say to us, but we don't trust God? Listen, Merriam-Webster says that the words suppress, and I hope they have them all. Uh, here's what it says. Merriam-Webster, man, they're fancy. They got it in order. Merriam-Webster suggests that the word suppress means to put down. I want you to pay attention to these phrases. To put down by authority or force. That's what's going on today. To keep, number two, to keep from public knowledge. In other words, to keep it a secret. To stop it. To prohibit the publication of the revelation of truth. This is what they're talking about when they're talking about suppression. Notice it goes on. The word suppress means to exclude from consciousness. It means to press down, to restrain from a usual course of action. Folks, in 2023, if you're not aware of this, the aim of suppression is very, very clear. Its goal is to restrict. Its goal is to limit. Its goal is to not allow truth, in, in this case, the truth of God and the truth of His Word to have its way in our lives. And there are all kind of entities trying to suppress the truth. By the way, suppression can be seen, and I'm going to say something that's going to awaken you. If nothing has awakened you yet, I'm going to say something that will probably awaken you right now. Suppression can be seen in this little thing known as the cancel culture movement. I shared with you months ago, you remember? I, my daughter-in-law had a great report. Remember this? I shared with you how months ago she had a great report. She's a music therapist in Missouri now. You know, we're still praying for her and Colby to get right with the Lord after they left here and whatnot. Some of you don't know they were here. They were here and were serving part-time here with us. And, and so we're still praying for her. But seriously, she's a music therapist and very, very gifted. Wonderful, wonderful woman of God. And, and she was rewarded with these kudos for this, this music therapy program that she started for Parkinson's patients. And uh, so I went on to, to the inter interwebs there, Facebook, and I commented on her post. I literally said, praise the Lord for how he is using you to encourage and to, to, to work in the lives of these people. I got a message inside of three minutes that I had been canceled, that my post was no longer valid because it shared, watch it, it shared a viewpoint or a truth that was not in acceptance of Facebook. Can I tell you, Facebook ain't getting me to heaven. And young people, either it's Snapchat, Twitter, Insta, or any other of those things, those things, listen, I'm not trying to preach on those right now, but I want to tell you, and I'm looking this way, and I got no regret, young people over here, be careful. Be careful of those apps. Those apps are designed to watch it, 
If you're not a believer, watch it. Suppress the truth. And I'm not just some right-wing nut theorist out there like, woo-hoo, this happened and, and Russia's done this and China's done this. That's not what I'm talking about. But when I can't even communicate to my daughter-in-law that I'm praising the Lord for how he's using her, nope, you're canceled. That's what cancel culture is doing. All of this, and that's not really the focus of the message, guys, but all of these things are forms of suppression. And when I look at Romans chapter 1, this is, in a way, this is exactly what was going on then in Romans chapter 1. By the way, it was Solomon who said in Ecclesiastes 1.9 that there's nothing new under the sun. You know, if it was going on then, I'm guessing it's going on now. And we look around and we ask the question, are things getting worse? I can tell you the answer is yes. Oh, listen, look back in verse number 18 because see, Paul is saying that truth was actually being held and pressed down or suppressed. And he indicates that the reason it was being suppressed was because, watch it, there it is, of ungodliness and unrighteousness. This is why truth was being suppressed. In other words, the people of Paul's day, watch this, the people of Paul's day wanted their way, not God's way. They said, hey, guess what? We're smarter than God. Does that sound like 2023? We're, we're smarter than the... I, everybody's smarter than the pastor. Just ask my wife. No. I digress. Because I want to go home today. I digress. <laughs> oh, you thought it was different for me, huh? Sir? <laughs> Listen. Everybody thinks they're smarter than God at some point. And don't sit there and shake your head. No, I've never thought that way. Yes, you did. Because there was a time when you were dead in your trespasses and sin. And, and if you're a believer, when you were dead in your trespasses and sin, you thought you were smarter than God. And you probably knew that you were smarter than mom and dad. That's running rampant too. But I just want to caution the young people here today. Just wait till you hit about 50 years old. Once you get about 50, you're going to say, man, dad wasn't so dumb. Mom wasn't so silly, right? Oh, listen, this is going on. It reminds me of what Patrick Morley said in his book, The Seven Seasons of a Man's Life. He said, there is a God we want, and then there is a God who is, and they are not the same. You see, we want a God that we can control, but we don't control God. And so it flies in the face of, of objectivity. And so the problem in Paul's day, look back at verse 18, was that the truth of God and his way were standing in direct opposition of what the people wanted. Therefore, look at verse number 18. It says that they held God's truth in unrighteousness. But before we start pointing the fingers at the people back in Romans 1, isn't that what we do sometimes? When the pastor says, thus saith the Lord, and we go, mm, I don't want to hear that today. I got plans today, so I'm not, I'm not trying to swallow that pill today. Isn't that what we do? Or we get up and we read a little devotion, and the devotion steps on our toes, and, and we head out to work. We get out on I-66, and we're trying to conjure up some idea in our mind that thinks that we're smarter than God, and that we can replace his word with our word. Oh, listen. 
There's a way that seems right unto man, but the ways thereof are the ways of death. Oh, listen, we do this. We turn a deaf ear many times to what the word of truth says. And if we're, and, and if we're really honest, there are times where just like we see here in Scripture, we hold it down. We're like, the truth is coming, and we hold it down, or we put it behind us, or we say, no, not today, God. I don't want to deal with this truth. I know it's truth, and I'll deal with that next week, but I got news for you. You'll never deal with it next week. You keep putting it on. You keep allowing the devil to have his will and his way in your life. I guarantee you, you're not going to do anything different other than suppress the truth. In this country, I'll be honest with you, we are reaping the results. We are reaping the results in 2023 of a history of holding down and suppressing the truth in our country. In fact, not only have we held it down and suppressed it, we've just about kicked it out of everything that we do. I mean, let's think about it. The truth has been kicked out of our schools. Everywhere I go, I hear people wanting to talk about putting their kids in private school, Christian schools, or homeschooling. You know, when I came up, I went to the public school. And when I went to the public school as a child, you know, there were times in school where we prayed. Well, that's old-fashioned. No, that, that's biblical. You know, when I went to public school, you know what? And I got it. Some people, it rubbed you for the wrong way. But you know what we did? We stood up and we pledged allegiance to the flag and, and all these things like this. And there was code of conduct. You know, I wasn't allowed to pull Sally's hair. And, and Bobby wasn't allowed to bully me at the playground without getting in trouble. And by the way, back then... The principal had the autonomy and the authority to hand out some judgment back then, if you know what I'm talking about. I think, my, I think one of my brothers, I'll, I'll leave him nameless. I'll leave him nameless. I, th I think one of my four brothers spent more time in the principal's office than he did in class. But you know what we did? We said, let's suppress it. Let's get it out of the schools. Some smart person told us, that doesn't belong in school. Not everybody believes that. Not everybody accepts that. So let's just change the makeup of this country and let's just start letting everybody have their free course and let's let teachers and administrators do whatever they want. And then guess where that started? Not only in the schools, it started in the government. And then it made its way to small government and into our communities. And guess what? Guess where it filtered right on down into the home? But you know the wise man teaches us in Proverbs 29, 18. He says, where there is no vision, where there is no revelation of God, the people perish. Oh, listen, are we driven by truth? Because in our text, the so-called smart people of Paul's day not only rejected or suppressed the truth because they were ungodly, they actually rejected the truth of God's word because in their wisdom, they wanted to be the arbiters of what was right and wrong. They said, you know what, that, that, doesn't, that doesn't really float with us. So we're going to come up with our own standard. Can I tell you, if you're following some other standard than this, it's not right. I'm just going to be honest with you. Like, well, that's, that's, that's your truth. You're right. That's my truth, but it's also God's truth. That seems pretty hardcore, Pastor. Seems pretty, pretty, pretty obstinate. I mean, aren't there 20 different ways? To heaven? No, Jesus said that he was the way, the truth, and the life. We either believe it or we don't. Isn't that, wasn't that the message of your Sunday school? 
Do you believe that I am the resurrection and the life? That's what he asked Martha. Either we believe that or we don't. But I'm reminded in James chapter 4 and verse number 12, James, he says there is only one lawgiver. You know, there's only one lawgiver, and I'm not him. There's only one lawgiver, the James says, who is able to save and to destroy. Isaiah 33 and 22 puts it this way. It says, for the Lord is our judge. He is our lawgiver. The Lord is our king. Praise the Lord for that. And he will save us. Man, as ambassadors of Christ, you and I, we have a wonderful and a, and a unique responsibility. And our judgments are to be made in light of the one and the only lawgiver. And his name is Jesus. That's not how we always operate, is it? <laughs> because Monday comes. And you wake up and you're tired. You don't feel like going to work. You're angry because something happened on the weekend. Tell them, tell them about it. I got my amen corner over here. One of the cutest ameners in this room, right? We get off on the wrong foot. We get out of bed and we forget to give God the glory. That, by the way, that's why... They were holding down too. They didn't glorify God. Not only did they not glorify God as God, they, they actually, the Bible says, they were unthankful. See, we get up in the morning and we're not even thankful for the very breath of life. And so we begin right from the very start to suppress truth as we live our lives. Oh, listen, but I can tell you that truth is absolute and absolute truth must come from or have an absolute source and Jesus is the source. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is the source of truth. And there's only one infinite, absolute source of truth. And standing in opposition to that source of truth is that dirty old devil. And he's walking about seeking whom he may devour. And I can assure you he hates this message today. <laughs> the old devil fought me all week on this thing. He said, no, 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 no. I'm going to cause you to come down with some kind of cold. You ain't preaching this message. I said, no, not today, devil. Get behind me. You know, I, see, I actually believe God's word. And that doesn't make me better than anybody else because you can believe it too. When we submit ourselves to God and resist the devil, the devil has no choice because God's word says he will flee from you. Get away from me. I don't need you today and I don't need you tomorrow. Oh, listen. As we endeavor with the Holy Spirit's power to digest this, just even this one verse. Verse number 18, watch what it says. It says, the wrath, the wrath of God. In other words, his violent passion, his anger, his indignation was revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold or suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Now look at verse number 19 and following with me. Because you see, notice, see, because in verse number 19 you say, well, what's God upset about? Why, why are we talking about the wrath of God? I mean, Paul just said that the power of the gospel, he, he was not ashamed of the power of the gospel, and then all of a sudden we're talking about the wrath of God. So we ask the question, what's he angry about? Well, look at verse number 19, because number 19 says that God actually manifested the knowledge of himself to the people. Verse number 21 says that the invisible things of him from creation of the world were clearly seen. In other words, you can't walk out of this building without recognizing that there is a creator God. 
You can suppress it. You can believe in evolution. You can believe in anything else you want. But you cannot get rid of the fact that God created the heavens and the earth. And then we want to say, well, pastor, I'm getting worked up. I don't want to get worked up. Pastor, pastor. When did, I mean, in the beginning, well, how did God get here? He's God. He operates outside of time and space. Time and space is, a, is, a, is, a, is something for you and I. He's not held down by time and space. He's always existed. He will always exist. Oh, listen. Notice in verse 20, it says, The invisible things of Him from the creation of the world were clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead. It says, So that they were without excuse. And if the people in Romans chapter 1 were without excuse, if you're here today, you're watching today, and I, I want to say this as lovingly as I can, and you're not walking with Christ today, you are without excuse. And if you're walking with Christ today, you are without excuse. If you're not, if you're not walking in the truth of God's word, but you say you're a Christian, you're not, you're, 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 not, uh, you're, you're not excluded from this truth. Look at verse 20. 20, uh, 21, notice it tells us that they had a knowledge of God, but they actually glorified Him not. And then in verse 22, they professed, this is going on a lot, they professed themselves to be wise, yet became fools. So you think about it, look back at verse number 19 and following, God gave them a knowledge of Himself. In verse 20, He reveals His great power to them, even in creation and everything that was made, Colossians 1, you can read all about that, right? And then He says, He had even given them a conscience of him. They had a conscience of God. They knew there was a God. I meet people all the time who will say one or two things. They either uh, don't believe there's a God or sometimes will say, I'm a believer. I trust that Christ is the risen Savior of the world. Or there's people who say, I believe there's a God, but you can't know him. Well, that goes against Scripture because Scripture says that God actually gave them a conscience of Him. Look at verse 21. Watch what it says here. It says, They glorified Him not as God, neither were they thankful, but became, watch this, became vain or useless or they wasted time in their imaginations. In other words, their internal consideration and their reasoning of what they were seeing was a waste of their time. And watch what it says, And, they be, and their foolish heart was darkened, Verse 22, professing themselves to be wise, they became as fools. And verse 23, they changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man. In other words, the more educated they got, the dumber they became. No, I'm serious. That's what Paul's talking about. The Gentiles sought after wisdom. That was their whole go-to. I was like, man, let me, let me learn something. Let me know something. The more I know, the smarter I'm getting. But Scripture is pointing out that the more they learned, the dumber they, came, they became. And when we suppress the Word of God, we're no better. We get to the point where we think our ship has arrived. We get to the point where we think our degree, where our degree or our pedigree or our position or the power that we have in some job supersedes the all-powerful God of this universe, we're in trouble. But that's what they were doing in Romans chapter 1. And ironically, it sounds just like us. 
when instead of trying to live our life according to God's word, as Brother Gary said about a month and a half ago in a Sunday school lesson, we try to live in the gray areas of life. I don't, I don't want to accept it. I, 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 don't, I, I hear what you're saying, but I'm going to make the choice today to put that aside for a while. Colossians, or 1 Corinthians, excuse me, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse number 19 says that the wisdom of the world is foolishness with God. The psalmist actually took it a step further in Psalm 14, 1. You remember what he says there? He says, the fool has said in his heart, there is what? No God. But see, this goes back to the issue of suppressing the truth. Not only suppressing the message of truth, but truth itself. Oh, yes, the devil has duped us into believing that if we just hold it down, if we just suppress it for long enough, we'll get rid of God. <laughs> but I got news for you. Whether a person is a believer or an unbeliever, that's a fairy tale. That's a fairy tale. That's a lie from the one whose method is murder. <laughs> His mission is murder. His method, excuse me, is a lie. Oh, listen. Our Lord is not only creator and sustainer, but he is our judge as well. And if you're a believer, not only is he creator, sustainer, and your judge, but he is also our salvation and he's our future. Oh, listen, verse 21, God's word indicates that when someone holds down or suppresses or even rejects God's truth, their foolish hearts became darkened. That's not a pretty picture. It says their foolish hearts became darkened. And when this happens, I can assure you whether it's ever admitted or not, it leads to what we know as idol worship. If, if I suppress the truth long enough, it leads to idol worship because just like I've said in the past, we all worship someone or something. We worship someone or something all the time. In verse number 23, it says that these ungodly people changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like the corruptible man. And then he goes on to, four, uh, to, to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. By the way, if you don't know what that's saying, leave it up there for a second. That's Exodus 32 all over again. You remember Moses is up receiving uh, the tables, the commandments from God, and the children of Israel, they're down in the valley there, and they wake Aaron up. You remember the passage in Exodus 32? They said, get up and make us. <laughs> I just, you know, I have a weird sense of humor. I kind of put myself like as if I was a fly in the tent there. Aaron's sleeping, and I like, get up and make us a golden image. And Aaron, he was a little weak, wasn't he? He said, all right, take off your earrings. Take off all these things, and we'll do just what you want. Suppression, watch it, of the truth in Exodus 32 was full force. The same thing happens today, friends. But I can assure you God's absolute glory, his absolute glory cannot be changed. It cannot be taken away and it cannot be given to another no matter how hard you try. Now, his relative glory in your life, oh yeah, that's a different story. When you and I decide that we're going to worship something or someone other than him, that's a different story. But in the Old Testament, you think about it, God, his wrath is revealed in fire and brimstone and on and on. And you see these great pictures of his wrath. But after Christ, we get to the New Testament and we read here in Romans chapter 1 that the wrath of God is revealed against all ungodliness and unrighteousness, right? 
It's revealed. So how is it revealed? Look with me. I'm glad you asked. Look at verse 24 and following. Because here we're going to see how God's wrath was revealed. And also, by the way, just in case. Anybody ever, uh, Travis, we were talking about this earlier today, or uh, yesterday or Friday. Sometimes when we ask questions up here, if they're cool questions, everybody wants to answer. But if they're serious questions, nobody wants to answer. So let me ask, uh, uh, it's not really a tough question, but anybody ever received various levels of punishment for your dad or mom throughout life? Like if you did like a little something, you know, you kind of got the proverbial, or go stand in the corner, or go to your room, or something like that. I can assure you, uh, I think, I, I, listen, Dad, I love you. I know you're watching. Um, I think he skipped that level. We went straight to the weapon of mass instruction <laughs> in my life. Maybe the Lord had revealed to him that that wasn't going to work on me, but, but, but anyway, we went to that level, right? But I think in our lives, if we're honest, even in the workplace, adults, you have a minor infraction at work and there's a minor level of discipline. Gets more and more severe. I remember years ago when my wife worked over in, uh, over in Tyson's and Reston and she was working with all of these companies and chief financial officer and all these things. And, uh, you know, in the workplace, people like to cuss. And so my wife said, no, not on my shift. You're not cussing. So... She put a, what she called a, a, a cuss jar and started the bidding out little, but then she upped the ante. Before you know it, man, dollar bills were flowing in her jar, and they finally figured out that they needed to stop cussing in her presence. This is not a fun passage of Scripture, but I want you to see God's wrath revealed and the various levels to which it was revealed on ungodliness and unrighteousness. Notice with me, verse 24. The Bible says, Wherefore God also gave them up. Each time the level changes, you'll see this phrase, God gave them up. So remember, they've changed the glory of God into, of the uncorruptible God, into an image made like corruptible man, birds, four-footed beasts, creeping things, right? Watch what happens. He says, Wherefore? Because of that, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own heart to dishonor their own bodies between themselves who changed, here it comes, the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator. That's Acts chapter 17 all over. Notice, who is blessed forever, amen. So not only... Did they glory, uh, change the glory of the uncorruptible God so he gives them up? Then notice also it says, For this cause, verse 26, God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of a woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that thing which is unseemly and receiving in themselves the recompense or the reward of their error, which was meat. It was justified. God was justified. Now watch this. It says here 
in verse 28, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over, here we go again, to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, hello, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affections, implacable, unmerciful, who, knowing the judgment of God, so here we go back, they knew, knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only did they do the same, you see it? But they had pleasure they had pleasure in them that do them. So as the suppression of God's truth, watch this, as the suppression of God's truth got worse and worse during this time, and guess what? If it happened then, I'm assuming, and I guess it's pretty logical that we could uh, come to the conclusion that it's happening today because his wrath is revealed against unrighteousness and ungodliness. Watch, it says that God first gave them up to uncleanness and the deceptive desires of their hearts. Next, in verse 26, it says God gave them up to violence affections and disgraceful passions and unnatural sexual behaviors that followed. This is not a message on that, but it's there. So hello. And then finally, God gave them up to a reprobate mind and the most despicable abominations known to humanity. This passage, yes, was speaking to unbelieving pagans of Paul's day, but I dare say it is applicable today. When you and I as believers suppress the truth of God in our lives, we are in a sense approving evil while abandoning truth. We say, God, I'm abandoning what you have to say because I'm going to embrace what the world, the flesh, and the devil have to say. Are we driven by truth? And so you say, enough, enough. I give up. What do we do? What do we do? Well, we do as Solomon said in Proverbs 23 and 23. He said, buy the truth and sell it not. It's as simple as that. You say, is that all you got? <laughs> is that all we came and we're suppressing truth, we're suppressing, we're holding it down. And what's the remedy? The remedy is to buy the truth and sell it not. In other words, acquire it. Spare no expense, spare no, no toil, no labor to, uh, to receive truth from God that is eternal, by the way, and it is perfect, and then do whatever it is to never, ever, 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 ever forsake it. In other words, be driven by truth. By the way, before I wrap up, it's important to know that the Bible itself, in 2 Timothy 2.15, refers to itself as the word of truth. The word of God is authoritative. Sometimes that rubs our fur the wrong way. But it's authoritative. It's powerful. It's alive. It's active. Oh, the word of God leads to salvation. The word of God guides us in our steps. It imparts wisdom. Listen, it encourages us. It strengthens us when we rely upon it. And ultimately, it is a source of joy and peace in our lives. But we must be in the word of truth to be able to walk according to the word of truth. In John 16, 13, the Holy Spirit of God is referenced as being the spirit of truth. In other words, that means truth is attainable, but it's not attainable aside from the spirit of God. 
And so we need the Holy Spirit. Don't be afraid of the Holy Spirit. We need him every day. John 14, 6, I've already referenced it. Jesus said he was the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh to him but by the, to the Father but by him. In other words, he, Jesus, is the person of truth. Oh, listen, and he has all power to free us. I think about what he said in John chapter 8 and verse 31 and 32. Look, as Jesus said to those Jews, watch, which believed on him, Joe. He said unto the Jews that believed on him, he said, If you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And that was the end of the song, Megan, we were singing, uh, whom he sets free, we are free indeed. That's John 8, 36. And so, listen, if Jesus sets us free, we are free. But folks, it takes more than just believing. You say, well, the devils believe. James chapter 2 tells us that. Devils believe and tremble. Jesus said, if you believe on me, you're going to continue in my word. You see, you want to be a follower of Christ. By the way, to be a disciple, to be a follower, that means you are a learner. You are studying. You are learning uh, more and more of him each and every day. By the way, not in order to earn your salvation, but in light of your salvation, you want to know more about its source. Oh, listen, 1 Timothy 3, 15 teaches us that the church of the living God is the pillar and the ground of truth. By the way, if you ever run up on a church that's propagating or teaching something other than the absolute truth of God's word, you better run as fast as you can because that's not a church of the living God. If by the way, they're all over. They're all over. You can find a church right all over. By the way, you don't have to drive very far. They're teaching something. I don't know what they're teaching, but it ain't God's word. We have to be careful. We have to be in the word of truth. Oh, listen, we need one another. That was what the devotion was all about yesterday for upward basketball. In 3 John chapter 1, there's only one chapter, verse number 4. John the apostle said, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Listen, sadly, many people know the truth of God. They know the truth of God's word, and yet they fail to accept it. And we, as believers, many times fail to walk in it. We decide that we want to be the arbiters of what's true. We tell God to get out of our business. Oh, friends, I ask you as I wrap up, do you know? Do you know the God of truth? Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Because that's what will make the difference. That's what will make difference. When you are connected to truth, when you have a relationship with truth, it will be proven, it will be evidenced in our lives. And aside from understanding the very first truth, which we find in Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The greatest truth, one that sometimes I think we shirk at, we shirk at, and as soon as it comes up on the screen, some of you are going to be like, you'll, roll, you'll do the proverbial Christian eye roll. But aside from that first truth, probably the greatest truth ever presented to mankind is the truth of John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. My friends, that in a nutshell is the gospel truth. And so I ask the question, are you driven by truth? Are you living according to truth? Are you sharing truth? Because there are men and women and young people who are in the valley of decision right now today. You may be here this morning and you might be on the cusp. Listen, you know what I know? 
None of us have a blank check. I mean, we got people getting ready to have surgeries this week. We got Barry going back to Philadelphia. I got Marilyn Ridge Creek getting ready to have knee replacement because they messed up the first knee replacement. And so pray for her. I've got Ted Riley who just had heart valve surgery. Nancy Stover's uh, brother had heart valve surgery. I mean, we got Elmer Preston, Brian, bless his heart, they are serving in the nursery today. His father is basically in ICU at Falkir with a lot of different things going on in his health, facing the amputation of his leg, and on and on it goes. Are we living by truth? Are we sharing truth? Because it's one thing to have all this head knowledge about Jesus, but it's another thing to have a relationship with him. And I can tell you that the word of God has been preached today. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The spirit of God is speaking to your heart today and you've never trusted Christ. Can I tell you something? The old fashioned preacher would say, if you don't burn up the carpet and get down here and get saved, you're in trouble. But can I tell you something? If you know right now that you don't have a relationship with Jesus and you know the Spirit of God is speaking to you right now and you know enough to know that Jesus Christ is not only the Son of God, He is very God of very God Himself. And you say no. You know what you're doing? You're Romans 1. You're inviting the wrath of God on your life. They knew him, but they glorified him not. They were unthankful. And I get down to verse number 32, and it says that knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only did they do them, but they had pleasure. had pleasure in doing them. What is it going to take for us to wake up? As a people, God has made himself known to us. What are we doing? He wants to walk with us. The heavens declare his glory. We can go on and on and on and on, but either we believe that he is truth, we believe his word is true, or we don't. There's no in-between. There's no, I believe him on Sunday and then I live like I don't Monday through Saturday. Romans 3 says all have sinned. Watch this. It says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Some of your Bibles may say have fallen short. So let me just say this. If we have all fallen short, if we have all come short, then we all need a Savior. I heard Charles Stanley this morning. He caught my attention. I was walking away from the house. And I was thinking about this verse that I put in here. If, if, if all of us have fallen short, then all of us need a Savior. But he said something very, very important. I'd never heard it put this way. And some of you senior pastors will probably say, man, he's still a rookie. You never heard this. Well, that's okay with me. As long as I'm connected to the one who saved me, I'm okay. Here's what Charles Stanley said. He said, until you know the Savior, you never experience the shepherd. 
You don't have Christ. To be honest, you don't have anything. So what are we doing? The creation of the world. God has revealed himself to us. If he's speaking to your heart today, it says, you don't know me. And if you were to take your last breath in the next two minutes, you know that you would be separated from me forever and ever and ever and ever. What are we doing? I beg you. The Bible says now is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. You say, I've been in church for 40 years. What will people say? If they say anything other than to God be the glory, then they weren't your friend to start with. We, we need to quit worrying about what other people say and worry about what God says. The Bible says in Romans 10 that if thou shalt confess with the mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It goes on in verse 10. It says, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. The Bible goes on three verses later and says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. This invitation isn't going to be long. Although I could sit here and listen to this music all afternoon. If you don't know Jesus, I'm begging you. I'm begging you. I can't save you. I'm begging you, don't, don't, don't suppress it. Don't hold it down. Respond to the Holy Spirit. Respond to the Word of God that's been preached today. And open up your heart. Open up your life. And let Jesus come in and do what only He can do. And I guarantee you that you'll have an abundant life. It won't be free from hurt. It won't be free from sickness. It won't be free from pain and crying and suffering. But you will have a life like you have never experienced before because Jesus says that he came to give us an abundant life. Father, we love you. God, we thank you for your word. God, I not only pray for unbelievers, but I pray for our believers today. I pray for believers today those who have been holding down, suppressing your truth, that they would admit, that they would admit to themselves, they would admit to you that that's the way that they have been operating and that they today would do whatever it takes to come and to recommit themselves to you, Jesus, the God of truth. Yes, we want to be driven by love, but oh, how we need to be people who are driven by truth. You see, because it is only by the love and the truth of Jesus your son, that we are, we are saved. It is only by that love and truth that we are changed. And so God, I pray that you will have your will and your way during this time of invitation, that people will call out upon the name of the Lord for the forgiveness of sin, that people who are believers, who have been walking, who have been suppressing, who have been holding down the truth for way too long in their lives, would recommit themselves to walking according to your word and to your way and according to your will. Father, we give you the praise in advance for this opportunity that we have to come and to embrace you, as one young man said, in this time of invitation. And we give you the praise in all that you'll do. For it's in the precious and powerful name of Jesus we pray. And for his sake, amen and amen.